Welcome in everyone. Another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. I'm Steve Cashel, the Chicago Bulls radio host. I'm co-host here of Sports Medicine Weekly. Joining me again this week is Dr. Nick Verma from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. He is the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, subbing again this week for Dr. Brian Cole. Hi, Dr. Nick. You had a good week? I had a great week. Good, good, good. Hey, I want to... Uh, I want you to uh, tell our audience um, your role a little bit for being the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, how you've enjoyed it, and give me a give me a story that we may not know. One of your favorite uh, training room stories uh, from the inside the clubhouse. Sure. So you know my role as the uh, as the head team physician is really be to to be the quarterback of the medical services, so to speak. So. You know, we're there from everything uh, from initial evaluations when patients or patients, players come to the club to assess their health level, to address any uh, injuries or ongoing concerns that they may have, all the way up to managing injuries and then managing recovery from injuries and then managing return to play. Um, so we really are in charge of uh, making sure that our athletes stay as healthy as possible, number one, and number two, um, give them all the tools that are necessary to give them the best chance of success on the field as well. Um, you know, the great thing about being a team physician is that we don't do this job alone, and it really cannot be done alone. It's a, it's a team effort, and we've got a lot of valuable uh, individuals in our training room. It starts with our, our training staff, which includes our athletic trainers, our strength and conditioning coaches, our nutritionists, our physical therapists. We've got colleagues that work with us at Rush, um, our, our primary care sports medicine physicians who take care of all the things like coughs and colds or abdominal pain or GI illnesses, things like that. And then we've got all the consultants at Rush. So, you know, a good example is the uh, is the um, this past year uh, when we had one of our players go down on uh, in the dugout with uh, an aneurysm. Yeah. And, you know, that's not an injury that you would think about in baseball. But that's an emergency situation that needs to be responded to. And, um, you know, I'm happy to report that he was, I think he was in the ER within about 26 minutes, had the appropriate assessment, and uh, he's got a very good chance of playing baseball again that's next amazing. year. That's amazing. That's great to so, hear. So, you know, those are those are the reasons why we do this and the stories of success that, that make you realize um, uh, the contribution that you're making to the health and care of these athletes. Great. So favorite story then. What, which one uh, jumps out at you? You know, I remember this was probably going back to 2008, I think it was, when uh, we were um, in the midst of uh, coming up on a playoff run, and Carlos Quentin had an injury to his wrist. He had a fracture and had to have some minor surgery to fix it. Um, and this, you know, this is something that would only happen in professional sports in this country, is we, we set up a hyperbaric chamber within the training room. So this was like probably a... I don't know, a 10-foot by 4-foot tent. Um, and Carlos would come in every day. He'd get zipped into this thing. We'd pump up the pressure in there to try to increase oxygen to get this fracture to heal quickly. And he would literally come out to go to the bathroom or to eat, and that's it. And the rest of the training room was just going on as if nothing was happening. So we'd be seeing patients. People would be joking. There'd be things going on. And Carlos would be in the middle of this chamber, and he'd just be piping in in the conversation like he's sitting on a training room table. And so... You know, to have that happen in a, in a in a professional locker room, it can only happen in professional sports. That's the only way where we try all of these weird and wacky things when the playoffs are at stake to try to get somebody back, even if it saves us a day. Did it work? Uh, he played. Whether he would have played without it or not, I can't tell you, but it, it certainly made us feel like we were doing something. What does it do? So what a hyperbaric chamber does is it allows us to increase pressure 
right? So it's similar to if you think about scuba divers who are coming up from a deep pressure environment and you want to slowly bring them back to a normal pressure environment. It's basically creating a chamber where you can increase the pressure. And by increasing the pressure, you can increase the concentration of oxygen. And so the idea is that if you create an, a state that has a, a higher concentration of oxygen, you're going to facilitate healing. And so the idea is that they get better quicker from um, fractures or other soft tissue injuries just by increasing the amount of oxygen you're delivering. Have you guys gotten into cryotherapy at all? We have cryotherapy available. You know, what's interesting is when you're in the training room setting, um, there are a lot of things that we do that may not be completely evidence-based. And our role is first and foremost to make sure that what we're doing is not going to cause harm to the to the athlete or to the patient. And once we recognize that something's safe to do, there are a lot of things that we do that may not um, have strong evidence to support that they work, but if they make players feel better, um, then that's a positive in our world. And if, if it feels like they recover more quickly with them, we have no problems doing things like cupping or cryotherapy um, or some of these other things that don't have a lot of great scientific data behind them, uh, but certainly have a lot of experience and use in the training room and, and make our athletes feel like they get better quicker. Busy with Dr. Nick Verme sitting in this week for Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. This is Sports Medicine Weekly, segment number one here this Saturday morning. We've got a great show coming up, including our Ask the Doctor segment. And also we have uh, Dr. Craig Delavalli, who's going to join us, uh, joint replacement surgeon with, with uh, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, aging athletes and their joints. Are we getting joint replacements at younger ages? And does our more active lifestyle contribute? I was going to mention uh, Bo Jackson, who had a hip replacement and came back to play, one of the only pro athletes to do that. Um, Back to cryotherapy, uh, Dr. Verma. You were talking about that for the professional player. What have you learned, though, about the the weekend warriors? Is it helping people? They're they're popping up everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, they are popping up everywhere. And, you know, um, the answer is I don't really know. I'm not sure. The problem with many of these new technologies is they get introduced. They generally come in in a world where there's not a lot of regulatory burden for them to enter the market, meaning they don't have to prove that they're uh, efficacious. They have some minimum safety requirements that they have to prove. And other than that, they can basically hang a shingle, start a business, um, offer cryotherapy, and make a lot of claims about what are the potential advantages of cryotherapy, even though they may not have the evidence to support it. So I think the key um, for patients when they're looking at things like cryotherapy or other newer uh, treatments, stem cells is another one that comes to mind, is number one, make sure that there's not a safety risk, make sure that there are not alternate health, health problems that may be compromised by having this treatment. Um, and then be willing to spend money knowing that, they're, that it may not be a benefit for you. So I tell patients to try it. If it makes them feel better then it, and it's safe to do, then it's certainly worthwhile doing. Yeah, I was going to bring up the stem cell clinics popping up everywhere. You open up a, a newspaper and there's a full-page ad with some endorsements. I mean, you know, whether it's a celebrity, an athlete, um, a, a sportscaster, sports writer, you know, hey, go to the stem cell treatment place. But it's not regulated well. Is that safe to say? Well, it's not regulated in the sense that um, it's not regulated like a drug is regulated. Okay. So there's not the burden on the uh, on the company to, A, um, prove that, the, that what they're using is working, right? They have some minimum burdens that are required for safety requirements, but they don't have to prove efficacy, which means they don't have to have a study that shows that, yes, this actually solves the problem that I'm going to treat you for. 
And so what that means is that these stem cell clinics can start making claims that they can cure everything from, you know, your injured shoulder or your injured back all the way up to diabetes or spinal cord injuries or lots of different things. And unfortunately, they can really take advantage of patients that are in a compromised situation that are looking for, quote unquote, miracle cures. Um, And so, again, it's another area where you really have to do your homework. You have to make sure that you ask the difficult questions about evidence that they have to suggest that the treatment that they are going to offer you is uh, going to work and um, and really do your homework regarding safety concerns about is there any risk to you of, of doing the treatment. It's one thing to spend money and not have it work. It's another thing to then develop a problem as a result of the treatment. And the stem cell treatments are expensive and usually not covered by insurance, correct? They are all at this point considered experimental by both governmental as well as private payers, and that's because the evidence doesn't exist. You know, the, the, the beauty of stem cells is that um, stem cells are basically the building block cells of our body. And, and as we're born, we all come from a single cell. And what happens is that cell then can differentiate into different body parts, right? So you take a stem cell and the idea is that a stem cell can become a muscle or it can become a ligament or it can become a bone. So it's a very attractive um, thought in that it, can we somehow harness the, the power of these stem cells to regenerate um, damaged cartilage, to regenerate a torn ligament, to heal um, a uh, partially torn rotator cuff. The problem is that it doesn't become as simple as injecting these cells into position. It's a very complex biologic process. We have to know what kind of cells, how many cells should be there, how do we get them into the right location, what's the time frame in which they're required, um, and, and what's the delivery vehicle. Is it really as simple as injecting them into the site or do we have to do it with some kind of a delivery sponge or in combination with a surgical repair? So there's a lot of questions that are remaining. Um, I think we will get those questions, and I think biology is the future of uh, musculoskeletal medicine. And I think in the future, we will get to the point where we're able to regenerate injured tissues. It's just very, um, it's in an infantile stage at this point. And I think the stem cell clinics are, again, they're just latching on to this desire by patients to find a miracle quick fix. And they're charging patients, you know, five, ten thousand dollars for an injection in order to do that without the evidence to support that it works. Great stuff from Dr. Nick Verma, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, also orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Just getting started here on this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, taking you up till nine o'clock. We're going to join Bruce Levine, Matt Spiegel for Inside the Clubhouse. But up next on our show, we're going to be joined by a gentleman a doctor from Rush in Munster, Indiana, Dr. Jack Nicholas. Love the name for you golfers. He's going to talk about flu shots and cold flu prevention and also some. Uh, sports restrictions and exercises when you are under the weather. Stay with us at Sports Medicine Weekly, our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Back with more after this on 670 The Score.